0: Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're going to continue with what we began yesterday in Romans 12 as we have one last devotion in this week of emphasis on worship. And man, like, ready your heart because tomorrow's the big day. All right. Uh, We're going to go to Romans 12 again, look at verses one through eight this time. And man, like, I want to hear the biblical difference in our church tomorrow. Okay. I want you to. I want you to show your pastor that you understand what the word says about worship tomorrow, because you get it. You're going before the throne of the Holy One, sacrificing yourself in true worship. Look at Romans chapter 12. We looked at verses one and two yesterday, and it's important to see how this is perfectly contiguous with something about the church. Like I said yesterday, I think that Romans chapter 12 has immense ecclesiological implications. You have this huge mountain of theology in chapters one through 11, and then the very first word of chapter 12 is therefore, and then it's very practical in what comes next in Romans chapter 12, and it has huge implications. Very first thing, order of business, right out of the gate, Romans chapter 12 is worship. And, you know, we're able to discern the will of God. Okay. We don't, we don't, we don't manifest. We don't vision board it. Okay. We don't send out good vibes out into the universe. We have this thing called discernment. Now God will give signs. He can give wonders. He can do that, but he's spoken or he's done speaking. He's spoken his word and his word is perfect. Okay. And so if you try to Lay out a fleece and ask God to bless it. Okay, there's a chance that maybe just maybe he will. He did that for uh, the singular judge who needed more coddling than anyone else. Okay, Gideon. Uh, But he may not do it for you because he's already given you everything you need. You worship and you're able to discern. This, this, This aligns with what Paul prayed for the church at Philippi. All right, in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that their love would abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that they would be able to discern what is best. Okay, you've got this thing, it's called a functioning brain and God has given it to you. Now you don't use it the way the world uses theirs. You're not, you're not conformed to this age, but you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you're able to discern What is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God? Do you see how the word mind is right before all of this? You've got a fully functional brain, which I believe is the physical host for your mind, not to get too metaphysical. I just believe that the brain is the faculty and like the mind speaks to what you think. (laughs) Going beyond merely... Uh, electrical pulses firing through synapses. I think that there are spiritual implications to what we think. Jesus would call the Pharisees out for what they thought. And what he was picking up on wasn't just some sort of like EEG monitor. It was knowing their souls, their spirits, knowing their minds. And with our minds, we can discern What is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God? That fully functional brain of yours is host to a mind which can belong to God, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then can discern. Yes, this is the right move to make right now. No, that's not the right move to make right now. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Look at how this also comes right on the heels about the renewing of our minds. Upon the renewing of your mind, you become patently aware that you're not all that great. <laughs> like, that's probably one of the indicators that you're beginning to grow in wisdom is you realize how dumb you are. <laughs> like this renewing of the mind is gonna, is gonna bring about humility pretty quick. And the very first teaching is that you shouldn't think more highly of yourself than you should think of yourself, right? Instead, think sensibly. <laughs> It's funny to me because like it hits me right, hits me right in the heart. I don't know about you guys too. Maybe you're all way more holy than I am. But I look at it and I gotta laugh at my my younger self, and and I can still be that stupid too. I can still think that too, you know. But uh, one of the very first things that you realize upon the renewing of your mind when you're transformed by the Holy Spirit of God is like, wow, I am wretched. <laughs> <laughs> That's Romans 7. That's what Paul says about himself. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? And, and so you, you then think sensibly. You think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. That faith comes from God, my friend. He gets the credit for it. It wasn't an act of intellectual ascension on your part. It was just that God gave you faith and the measure of that faith is given by God. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Uh, There was a sermon. (laughs) The title of the sermon uh, was, I promise this is not off topic, title of the sermon was Awesome Sex. Okay? Uh, And... Jesse, that's inappropriate. That's because you don't have awesome sex with your spouse. Sorry, it's just true. It was First Corinthians, chapter seven, and in it we we see how this is a this this biblical teaching about us being members of one another. It's it's I think it's the the pinnacle of all all such interconnectedness, you know, among brothers and sisters in Christ, is in the brother and the sister in Christ who are married to one another. And that your body literally doesn't belong to you alone. It belongs to your spouse. Now, that is a connection you ought to have only with your spouse, obviously. But it's no coincidence that, you know, marriage and the church, teachings on marriage and teachings on the church, they have such perfect parallelism where we are the bride of Christ. And... The intimacy between husband and wife um, is is the means by which God creates new life. All right, I can go on this. Uh, I can go down this tangent for for hours because all of it's deliberate by God. It's all intentional by God. So go, so go see the series, uh, "Into the Fray." See First Corinthians chapter seven. Um, but look look at look back at the text. This, this concept of being members of one another, it's never more intimately and profoundly experienced than it is between a husband and a wife. Then, beyond that, you are a member of the church family. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting and exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, Now this is a this is a series of sermons in itself, but I want to show you why it's here. And remember where it came from. All this things. So this is uh, top of a mountain of theology. Black Diamond Slope begins right here. First, first thing up is that you're a living sacrifice. This is your true. Say it with me, worship. All right. And then we know immediately how we figure out God's will for our lives. Like it's so practical. It's so incredible. And then the very next order of business is about the spiritual gifts. So uh, we are all different members of one collective body. Don't miss what God is doing here. This huge mountain of theology, first things first is worship. And then the very next thing is discerning God's will. And then the very next thing is that spirit of God that God has given to you. It comes with gifts and those gifts fit within the body of Christ like Voltron. All right, you have been gifted by the spirit of God with A way to serve in the body of God. I have been, I've I've been to churches that have just like 12 people in them, and there are 12 unique spiritual gifts in that church. It's really, really cool. God does this. It's almost as if he's sovereign or something. Isn't that cool? (laughs) You have a gift given to you by the Holy Spirit of God. may look like a talent right? But there's something more to this. It's it's for a purpose. It's where you click within the body of Christ in your own local congregation where God has called you. If you're looking for a church, by the way, look for the church that needs someone with your gifts. Don't take on the consumeristic mindset that we talked about just a couple of days ago. Okay, we've seen what worship looks like in the throne room of heaven. and It is not consumeristic. It's the polar opposite of that. We've seen... In Romans chapter 12, how it is not consumeristic, it's self-sacrifice. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is your true worship. So don't treat the church like a place that's there to serve you. You use your spiritual gifts to serve the body of Christ. So you look for a church and, and, man, if you're a good cook and the food is bad, guess what? That's where you're needed. If, if you go to a church and you know that your spiritual gift is in teaching and they need more teachers, I think God's calling you to that church, friend, as long as they're true to the, the word of God. And you are too, by the way. <laughs> so uh, we could we could inventory this this later, but I wanted to just stay big picture and talk about how we go straight from the top of the mountain of theology to worship and discernment and then the many gifts of the body of Christ. Once again, our, our, our the, the work of the Spirit in our lives is not for us. It's for others, okay? It's for the, the one another's of Scripture. So, we desperately need worship. When we worship, we enter the throne room of the King. We are not there for ourselves. We are living sacrifices before God. We give him glory, and we don't just do it individually. This is not a solipsistic theology. Rather, you are a part of the body of Christ, gifted by that spirit with abilities that coincide perfectly with what that church needs in its mission, in its context, to carry out the great commission of God. Do you see how much we need worship? I'll see you tomorrow. at Worship.